This week, I knew I was not going to have Saturday available for my typical routine, so I did a, a lot of my work and uh, research for this sermon. I did it. I, I studied for a cluster of sermons, and then I break them down. And as I was breaking this one down, I did it very, very early in the week, around Tuesday, which is very unusual for me to have it to have the body kind of written. Um, and I didn't go on t- to it back until Thursday. And w- when I read what I wrote, I said, oh, my God. How can that come out of me? <laughs> uh, I was blessed by it. And then I visited last night and this morning again. And, and I invite you to listen, perhaps, to what the Lord may, what the Lord may have to, uh, for your soul, for your mind today. Um, I, I, yesterday, I was a Presbyterian, and um, uh, I met with Ray Jones. He's the head of evangelism, transformation, and a whole bunch of other things in our denomination up in Louisville, but he's a local boy, and, uh, and, and he sends his love and his greetings to all of you. He keeps up with the church through our, our Facebook and my Facebook, and uh, he's very excited about how we're doing. He, he says the same thing that um, Dr. Morse told us when he was here last year. He said, you guys are doing some revolutionary stuff, but without the violence. So that's what we like to do it, without the violence. So um, it's amazing that, that God is so faithful to God's own people. And, um, and I praise God that uh, we're together and that we are a community that seeks to, to love God, love one another, and make an impact in this neighborhood. I invite you in your worship guides, you have the reading from the New Testament, which is out of the book of Acts, verses uh, chapter 3, 1 through 11. Uh, This month, I've been contrasting two books of the Bible, or I've been pulling out messages from two books of the Bible, Genesis and Acts. And as God is forming a community, as God is forming a community of faith in the Old Testament, uh, I also see in the book, in the Old Testament, I also see in the New Testament, God forming a community of the Spirit and faith in the New Testament. And they have similar experiences. They have similar uh, uh, encounters with God. And the first thing that that we find in both stories is that the Lord usually tells us, don't be afraid. Uh, Because He assumes, because He knows that we're very, very freakish people. We get frightened so quickly. I I know, I'm a coward, okay? So, I know about that. (laughs) And uh, and, um, I do have a heart. But uh, let's listen to and for the word of the Lord as I read out of Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part of the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man, lame from birth, he couldn't walk, was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate at the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, Look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I do not have any silver or gold for you, but I will give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up 
and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. Let me repeat that verse. Then Peter took the lame man by the hand, by the right hand, and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. This is the word of the Lord. I have been sharing the series called uh, A Community of the Spirit. And as we see in this contemporary painting, we see the Spirit of God in this form of a dove. The dove is almost a heart-shaped face. And then you see the fire flames coming down over the city, over buildings. Because it is the, 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 the idea, the Bible is teaching us that God's Spirit has been poured on us. In the Old Testament, let me give you this fact. In the Old Testament, God's Spirit was poured on people and went back up. God's Spirit in the Old Testament always inhabited the prophet and then left the prophet alone. I don't know what's worse or best. Because in the New Testament, the reality is that God, sent, God and Jesus sent the Holy Spirit that dwells in us, abides in us, lives in us. It doesn't come and go. Some of our myths from our cultures, spirits come and go, right? No, oh, I have them. Come on, I have them. <laughs> Those old religions, spirits come and go. But in the New Testament, the reality is that when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, at moment of salvation, a moment of confession of faith, it lives within you. That's why you're aware when you're doing something wrong at the moment. That's why you're aware when you should be doing something else. That's why you're aware when there is a joyful moment in your life. Because the Spirit lives within you. It does not abandon you. It does not leave you. What we do to it is we quench it. So we kind of shut it up. See, but that's what happens in, in, in the Old Testament and New Testament. There's different economies of the Holy Spirit, as we call it in theology. So, in, in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would come, would do its job, and would then return back to God. In the New Testament, the Spirit of God comes, lives, abides, dwells with the believer. Is that scary? No. He's the one that counsels us, He's the one that speaks to our consciousness. He's not our conscious. So, in this series that I'm teaching, it's about the spirit of the, the, the community of the Spirit. In the Old Testament, the Spirit would come. So, we're going to do that next month. In July, I'm going to share some stories of how the, old, how the Holy Spirit moved and dealt with people in the Old Testament. Because even though it came and left, it messed things around. They didn't leave things the way they were for the blessing of the people. See? So, we'll do that in, in, in July. In August, I want to, to invite you to, for a series that we're the community of the Spirit. We'll continue, but it's going to be the community of reconciliation. How do we move in this community with one another in pure Christian reconciliation? But last week, I was, dis- I was discussing the, the cycle of grace. And this is something that, by the way, I, I'm going to do a class in August. I want to invite you. I teach usually after the service. Uh, so, that class will be at 1230 in my classroom. 
We actually have a video series on this one, and we're going to have books on the cycle of grace. Uh, th this whole cycle of grace idea is, is contrasted with the cycle of works. Because humanity, we're so used to need to perform in order to get some significance, and we hope that once we are fruitful and we get some significance on our own, we will then be able to sustain ourselves and motivate ourselves in order to gain some acceptance from others in God. But in the cycle of grace, as God intends things to be so opposite from our own logic, it is the opposite around. You see the circles are going that way. So it is the fact that in the cycle of grace, we recognize that God's grace has made us already acceptable before God. You don't have to do anything to earn God's acceptance. God has already accepted you, yeah, as you are. Didn't we sing that one a long time ago? We used to sing that, right? Then with that grace of acceptance, God sustains us with the God's own sustaining grace. God's sustaining grace gives us what we need in order to be able to live the life of grace. Jesus never had a meltdown, never lost it because he was aware of that input element. Jesus knew that he was accepted by God the Father. He knew that God was sustaining him in word and spirit. So then he got his significance. He knew he was the Son of God. He knew he had the power to make things different. He knew he had the power to raise people who were lame, to open ears that were closed, to open eyes that couldn't see. And Jesus could do that power, had that significance. That's why he was very fruitful, fruitful to the point of giving you and I eternal life. So it is our lives as we walk in grace. We are to remind ourselves that we are accepted by God's grace, that we don't need to earn anything from God, and that grace sustains us to walk around and do the works of God in our community, in our neighborhood, and that gives us significance and meaning, which is a gift of God, gives us the meaning to go and touch others' lives and make the difference. And thus, we become fruitful in our community. We will discuss that in greater detail in that class. That was last week. Today, I want to talk to you about a community of action. We saw how God in the Old Testament is moving Abraham out of his comfort zone in the 12th chapter. In the following chapter that we read, we see how now Abraham is having doubts and fears once he stepped out in initial faith. That's normal. That's okay. But we saw also at the end of that verse how Abraham decided, notice this, how Abraham decided to believe God. And that's very different than believing in God. A lot of people believe in God, but they don't believe God. So Abraham believed God. And that statement is repeated in several places in the New Testament also. As Paul is commenting how Abraham believed God and he was counted as faith. Abraham, the father of faith, had doubts and fears. But he decided to believe God, and then he moved into the actions. He moved into the behaviors. He moved into the duties that God assigned him. Therefore, he became a blessing to all nations. He did this intentionally. Catherine Laws, L-A-W-E-S. Laws? Laws. Catherine Laws was an amazing woman. She lived in the middle, early part of last century. Her husband had just become the new warden of Sing Sing Correctional Institution. Oh, Sing Sing was a bad one. 
bad place to go in New York. It has a reputation. So she, her husband was assigned, and she worked there. She was told by everybody, don't even go near the, the inmates. Don't touch, don't even bother to go in there. Stay in your house. Stay in the village near Sing Sing, and don't even bother. But Catherine was, she probably was like me. She probably had an oppositional disorder. So if she was told not to do something, she would probably do it. I, I tend to do that. <laughs> so the, the elders here have learned not to tell me not to do something. <laughs> so they tell me other, other ways because <laughs> I will end up doing it. Uh, so she just began to mingle with the prisoners. She would go into the, into the, the prison. She began to meet the prisoners. She, the story says that she actually met one prisoner who couldn't see, who was blind. And she asked him if he knew Braille, the reading by touch sensation. And the guy didn't even know what that was. So Catherine put it upon herself to go and learn how to teach Braille. And by that time, she not only taught this prisoner, but she had a whole class of 30 prisoners in Sin Sin who were blind or had become blind. It's also said that she was also uh, met somebody who could not speak, who was speechless. So Catherine made a point of going out and learning how to do sign language. And then she had a class in Sing Sing, how to do sign language. She actually went to the picnics with the prisoners and her children. And everybody was scared, but she didn't care. She told her, the, the people, my husband and I are here to take care of these people, this man, and that's what we're going to do, take care of them. One late August, the tragedy broke, and Catherine was killed in a car accident. The warden obviously was in grief, and he had taken some days off. So he, he, he's not in the office, and the assistant warden was taking over. And that morning, he saw how many of the inmates had gathered at the gate of Sing Sing Prison, looking down the street. Just a quarter, uh, three-quarters of a mile was the house where Catherine's body laid in a casket. So the warden went to check what was going on, and he was concerned and afraid, and what he found was a group of men grieving and crying with tears. And he took the decision, he took the decision to believe love, and he told those men, every one of them, you can go. He ordered the gates to be opened, and every prisoner of Sing Sin went out, and they stood in line. And they stood in line to render their respect to Catherine, who had been their angel for so many years. The only thing the warden said was, make sure when you come in, you all sign in. It's called the miracle of Sin Sin in 1938. Because every single one returned and signed in as they came back from grieving. was called the saint of Sin Sin, Catherine Laws. But you see the love that she experienced? It was because she intentionally gave her life, her days, her evenings, her free time to learn things to help others become better in spite of their own misery of being in sin sing. Her intentional, compassionate actions made all the difference. That's what it was.
You see, in, 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 in church life, uh, we have a mission. And that breaks it up. But I want you to look at this in two ways. We have a mission as a community. But individually, you have a mission. That's why the community has a mission. The community does not have a mission unless the individuals who make up that community have a mission. Community depends on individuals. Community depends on people owning up the duties, owning up the grace that God has given us, owning up the sustenance that God has given us, owning up what God has called us to do, which is basically to make the difference in people's lives. That's what it is. And in that process, they will ask you, why are you so okay when you're not supposed to be so okay? And then you can tell them about your hope in Christ. Then you can tell them about the light that inspires you. Then you can tell them about the one you follow. But that will only happen if you, first of all, nurture and equip yourself. Yesterday, I was, very, I was with Kathy Parcham, the Reverend Parcham, and with Jennifer and with Linwood. We were at Presbytery. And afterwards, we, we had a conference after the meeting, which was two hours only. We then had a conference, two different classes, and we all decided to go to the same one. And it was Ray Jones, I guess that's why we were there. Uh, but Ray was speaking how his seminary experience was. Ray said that his seminary experience was that he was trained to be a good chaplain as a minister, to take care of people in a congregation, to follow them up, to make sure their needs are met. I'm listening to that, and I'm like, what? And then he assumed that all the pastors there had that same experience. Well, that was not my experience. This will probably open some eyes why I'm the kind of pastor that I am. I was not trained to be a babysitter, I mean a chaplain pastor. When I came to seminary, the church was already in crisis. My seminary had shifted from maintenance to transformation. You see? So when Ray was describing his seminary experience, he actually said a question, do you all identify? And I went like, no, that wasn't my training at all. There was nothing to maintain anymore when I would graduate. It was crumbling. It was action. It was intentionality. And that word intentionality became part of my life. Because no longer could we coast as the church. No longer can we coast as an islander Christian in your own little islands away from community. We need each other. We need to be equipped and nurtured, and that is part of the mission of the church. That is part of your responsibility as a member of the church. Seek nurturing, seek equipping, because I am here not to do the work of the ministry. I am here to equip you to do the word of the ministry. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 5. <laughs> but secondly, not only are we here to nurture and equip one another, which we try to do here at Light of Hope, we're also dealing with social justice. We're trying to change people's lives for that lives can become better because God wants our lives to be better in this world. God is no longer angry with humanity. God wants to restore goodness in our lives. And that's what the word blessing means goodness to you. 
So we fight with social justice. And I think we have begun some amazing things in this congregation. I shared yesterday in Presbytery that this congregation was committed to open what's called Rivers of Hope. Rivers of Hope is an organization. Look, look at this. They won't have to camouflage ourselves because I don't like the church anymore. I tell the story that I'm where I live, I think I've said it here, opening week in the pool, the all-state lady from insurance is there. She's going to bring the pizzas for everybody to enjoy pizza on opening pool day. I'm paying my rent, and, and I see an opportunity here. <laughs> I'm looking for them, 724. And suddenly I said, uh, well, what can Light of Hope bring? And the lady said, manager said, what is Light of Hope? I said, my church. I'm a pastor. She says, oh, we can't get anything from a church. And, uh -huh. and just that moment, I said, well, what can Rivers of Hope bring? What is Rivers of Hope? A community development organization, anything from Rivers of Hope. Camouflage yourselves now. But guess what? The content is the love of God to the community. It's the same. So we have our summer camp. Our summer camp is changes children's life. A kid who didn't like school suddenly likes school. A kid who didn't like learning suddenly likes learning. Last week, they were, they were doing the polite week. They were learning polite behavior. So I show up and I say, hi, kids. And when I say, you interrupted us. <laughs> Excuse me, children. How are you doing today? We're fine, Pastor Edwin. Very good. I had to look at the board to follow the instructions. That'd be an example. So we're, we're doing works of justice at Ladder Hope. We are doing works of nurturing and equipping with the classes that we do. We are doing with the conferences that we go and the speakers that we bring. But also, are you involved in social justice or are you okay the world can go to hell and we don't have to do anything with it? Oh, I said the... Live with it. No, we're called to be the light. We're called to make the difference. And in that process, then we're called to also community evangelism. How are we going to? Well, it used to be when in, in the olden days, uh, some of you may identify. Remember the old tracks? Little things? And you just would pass them around on the screen. Uh, uh, Ray told us that he would go in a corner and just yell at people. <laughs> if you don't convert to Jesus Christ, you will go straight into evil hell. That was very attractive to many, I think. Telling them, we don't want to go to that angry church. We don't want to go to an angry church. We don't want to go to a dead church. We don't want to go to a church that does not care about our community. And that's the big thing. Community evangelism is just that. Making the connections in our community. Making the connections. How can we make connections? And I'll finish with this. Oh, goodness, sorry. Thanking them for their work. We, because we care for this community, we're thanking you. Last week, we all had rubber bands. Some of you had rubber bands. Uh, Jim, Curley, Jim Curley showed me his. As I was driving with uh, Edwin Linwood yesterday, I noticed his, had his too. Uh, and you were supposed to only practice grace for only two hours. How did that go? Hmm? Oh, oh. Okay. We're going to hear the stories later. <laughs> That's good. That's good. That's excellent. This week, no, I don't have anything for this week. Just think of that. How are you nurturing yourself and equipping yourself to make a difference? How are you aware of the community issues that we have with 
low-income housing that's not available whatsoever. With families who are homeless, that's why the Care and Compassion team is also thinking of dealing with a Hope House where we can be part of a national team where we can provide a home for people to stay there for 13 weeks. Oh, they pay us the rent, don't worry. And, and you know, and, <laughs> and we're able to connect with that family and make a difference in our community. Think and pray about those things because God has called us to be together to make a difference and share God's love. Is that okay? You promise? Liars. No. No, I, I just have to say that because I used to say that to my kids. And they said, no, Daddy, for real, for real. For sure, for real. So, okay, good. <laughs> that was their commitment level. For sure, for real. For sure and for real. One of them reminded me this morning, for sure and for real, Daddy. <laughs> it was good. I, I used to put in their, in their bathroom a slogan. And it's they it's in their minds. As I wrote as they were little, anything that's good, positive, and healthy, thou shalt do. When they got into trouble, Daddy, I didn't do anything that was good, positive, or healthy. <laughs> All three of them? Let's sit down. <laughs> but they had they were convicted. Let us have a word of prayer. Lord, we come into your presence celebrating the fact that you have called us. Celebrating that we are not just people of warm benches or warm pews. That we are people of celebration. That we are people who are joyful. That we are people who belong to God. That we are the people of the good news. That we're the people who have real hope. That we're the people who can carry real reconciliation because we are, again, the people of God. We thank you that we are the people who care for our community and we are the people who wish to care even more. Thank you, Lord, for calling us into your light so that we can proclaim the virtues, the good things that you have for people's lives in our community. We thank you through Christ our Lord. Amen.